Well, good morning. I want to say to the moms, uh, you're not just special. <laughs> you are unbelievable. You are wonderful in every way, and we are so grateful for you, so thankful for uh, your tender love and direction and strength, the way you care for us. It's funny, today we're going to be talking about a fight, and I thought that's kind of appropriate. Some of the moms are going, yeah, I was just in one trying to get here. You know, I, some of the, the fiercest warriors I know are moms, and we're grateful for you today. Have you ever been in a fight? <laughs> Whether it be physically, maybe it's just a disagreement. Maybe it's something that uh, is with a loved one or someone at, at your work or school. Um, there's something about being in a fight. You know, it does something to your stomach. It, it, it makes you anxious, makes you fearful. Um, it causes all these weird feelings, anxiety. I remember my first fight. I was in elementary school. And actually, I don't even remember the fight. I remember the build-up to the fight, which is a lot worse than the fight. Uh, I don't remember the fight at all, but I remember a little boy in elementary school saying, you better meet me on the playground. And something in my little small childhood man boy uh, in me said, I will be there. I may get stomped, but I have to show up. And I remember it all day just worrying me to death, being scared to death. But I remember showing up. I don't remember getting in the fight. And maybe it didn't happen. It's been quite a while. There's something about being in a fight. You, you, if you know you're in a fight, you, you get prepared for the fight. You get your heart right. You get your mind right. You, you might stretch out. Who knows what's going on. You might get your phrases that you want to say, whatever the case may be. But the, the negative thing is if you don't know you're in a fight, that's even worse. Have you ever been in a fight you didn't know you are in? In other words, somebody's mad at you and you didn't know it. Somebody's frustrated with you and you had no clue. As a pastor, I deal with this all the time. And it saddens me to a great deal. I can't tell you. People sometimes will eject and I never even know the reason or why. And they haven't given me an opportunity to ask their forgiveness or to have a conversation or to seek reconciliation or work with them to make us better. And it breaks my heart. Sometimes we're in fights that we don't even know we're in. And that's really what we're talking about this morning in Ephesians 6. So much of the body of Christ has no idea that you are in a fight for your life, for the lives of your family, your friends, the souls of men and women around you that God wants you to use to bring to reconciliation with God himself. And you may not even realize you're in a war, you're in a fight, you're in a battle. And we need to realize that, be aware of it. And make a stand against the one who comes against you, okay? There's uh, the reality that when in life we have different disagreements. We have different problems. Many of you are going, yeah, you don't know the half of it, even in my life today. It may be relational. It may be financial. It may be something connected to your job. But I, I want to submit to you this morning, it's very possible that it's spiritual. And maybe you haven't considered that aspect of your life. As believers, we have to know that this is a reality that we face, right? It it's, it's, it's connects to our joy, it connects to our witness, our future. The good news this morning that I want to I tell you about is that 
we don't have to fight alone. Yes, you're in a fight, whether you know it or not. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in an incredible battle with an enemy you cannot win and beat. There's nothing in your strength, personality, giftings that will cause you to win this fight. You have no hope apart from the strength of God Almighty. Because it's his enemy, not yours. You just happen to be caught in the middle of that greater fight. Paul's been writing, we've been in this series in Ephesians, he's, he's written to the Ephesians about doctrine, how the, all the things that we have in, in Christ. He, he's written about how we walk out our lives in Christ. One, one theologian says that when he thinks of the book of Ephesians, he thinks, sit, walk, stand. Right? We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, yet we walk in the Spirit in our lives, and then we make a stand with the strength of God, with the armor of God, and in the presence of God. It's kind of a good way even to remember uh, how Ephesians is broken down. Paul, here at the end of these lessons, at the end of this wonderful letter, he brings in this major theme that seems a little foreign, a little different, and very serious at the end of the letter in chapter 6. And he talks about a fight. He talks about warfare. He talks about a, a battle. And an enemy, a great enemy that we face. And that's what I want us to be awakened to this morning. You have a very evil enemy that you need to realize is against you. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do in your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants for you, right? Thankfully, Jesus finished that and said, but I've come to bring you life and life more abundantly. Uh, Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's you. That's me. He wants to end, destroy your life and anything around you that looks like life. Peter knows that firsthand because Jesus told him this in Luke twenty two thirty one. 31. He said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. I want you to just wrap your brain around that. Satan has a conversation with Jesus. Give me Peter. <laughs> Give me this Simon. And he tells him, because I want to sift him like wheat. Wheat is, it's not a pretty process. It's broken down. And that's what he wants to do to Peter. And so Peter has the firsthand experience that the enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Friends, if you belong to Jesus this morning, if you are a Christ follower, you need to know that Satan cannot have your eternity. That's spoken for, right? Your eternity is secure in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. But he can mess up a lot of your life here. He can seek to, to, to steal, kill, and destroy your life here. See, if he can shut you down as a believer, if he can shut you up as a believer, then he doesn't have to worry about you getting in his way of the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't have to worry about you being a witness in this world. He doesn't have to worry about you walking in these good works that he has prepared for you that he said, he said in Ephesians 2. If he can shut you down and shut you up, he can leave you alone because you're not going to hurt him at all. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I mean a disciple of Jesus, then he's got something to worry about. Because you know, 
in whom you have believed, right? You know where your hope comes from. You know what has changed your life and given you eternal life in your soul. It's life in Jesus. And that's going to give you joy. The Bible says joy unspeakable. It's going to cause you to sing and to shout and live differently. And I promise you that's going to get the attention of your enemy. You will find yourself in a fight against the kingdom of darkness. But I also stand here this morning to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because our God loves us. He is with us. He's given us every single thing that we need. I want us to pray this morning as we get into this text in in Ephesians chapter 6. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we love you. We are so grateful, God, to be here to celebrate moms. What a gift they are. What a beautiful example of a warrior for us. Lord, we love you. We pray that today you would open our hearts and our eyes to your truth. Your word says the spirit of the living God leads us to all truth. And so, God, we pray that you would do that now in our hearts and in our lives and our minds. God, I pray with all that I am that that I would decrease in this time. Jesus, that you would increase and that you would move in us to awareness of who you are and what you're doing, to surrender to you, Lord, encouraged to be obedient to you. May we know, God, that you give us your strength to fight that you place armor over us in which we can fight and that we have your presence with us to fight from. And I pray that you would lead us to obedience today. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First point this morning is God gives us his strength for the fight. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, Paul's wrapping up his letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Paul's giving us this heads up, hey, or I'm at the end of the letter here, <laughs> last major lesson, last major thing, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Some of your translations say in the power of his might. What Paul is saying is, you don't have enough strength to battle this enemy. Nothing in you, good enough, strong enough, effective enough to fight the enemy of God. So, one of the imperatives of this text is that you Be strong in the Lord. That you take this strength, that you understand the strength that you have is not yours, it's his. But that's the strength we stand in, right? And stand upon. We have his strength. We have his might. We understand it. We're no match for this enemy on our own. But he's no match for our God when we have his strength. Amen? Only if we're strong in the Lord. Only if we have the strength of his might can we make a stand against this enemy. I like what Kent Hughes says, theologian, he says, there's a proper combination of divine enabling. This is God's strength over us and yet human cooperation. The power is indeed the Lord's and without the strength of his might we shall falter and fall. But we, are, we still need to be strong in him. Well, these imperatives are, are, are be strong. This is one of the things you have to do. You choose to to take on this strength to believe, to know that God covers us in everything that we need. Now, I'm not one of these people, listen, when it comes to this fight, that believes there's a demon under every little rock around your house. Under every argument, under, uh, under every little 
disagreement or broken piece of your life. No. Some of the things we deal with are consequences of the sin that we've, we've walked out. Bad decisions, right? However, what seems to happen is either you think there's a demon under every rock or you don't know anything about a demon. And we need to somehow understand that, no, it's not in every situation that's broken in our lives, but the enemy of God is an enemy of yours. And he is after you. And we need to be awakened to the reality that he wants us. He wants to end our lives. Okay? Have an awareness. Know that there's a real enemy. His name is Satan. Understand that you're in a fight. Get prepared for the fight. If you know you're in a fight, I don't know why I just play out the whole Rocky sequence. It's probably the one with uh, Ivan Drago. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm just stuck in my head the whole winter scene when he's training and stuff. Anyway, all the 80s fans out there. But you hear the song, don't you? Out of the Tigers play and you're getting ready, you're getting pumped up. We need to get ready. We're in this fight. It's happening. Right? We sit together as the body of Christ and, and maybe some of you are battling even right now in your mind. In your heart, you're, you're, you're trying to stay locked in. You're trying to worship, but there's something on your soul. But guaranteed, if it's not happening in here, when you walk out of that door, you're going to be back in the fight. It happens. It's real. It's a real enemy that you have. The good news is God not only gives us his strength for the fight, he gives us his armor against the enemy so that we can make a stand. Ephesians 6.11 says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Right? God's given us his strength, and now he's given us his armor. Why do we need God's armor? Because it's God's enemy. It's God's enemy. We face his enemy. We're sort of like little pawns in the middle of this great war. And it, and it pleases the enemy to beat us up, to kill us, to steal from our lives. But we need to understand this morning, our God is a warrior. Did you know that? He's not just, like some pictures in your mind, you know, he's not just some old man with a long beard kind of patting children on the head. No, our God is a warrior. Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Isaiah 42.13 says, the Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Hallelujah. He's over his enemies. The three imperatives in the text are this. Be strengthened by the Lord and his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And then lastly, stand, right? The second imperative is that we put on the whole armor of God. We don't just pick and choose. Well, it seems like I need the belt of truth and maybe some shoes of the gospel of peace. No. no. Put on the whole armor of God. If you are in Christ, you have all of that at your disposal. Everything you need to make a stand against God's evil enemy, right? The thing I think God wants to show us this morning is to make a stand means to be aware. I was, I was just trying to think of a scenario. If someone's chasing you, and maybe, maybe you're just walking in a, in a parking lot, 
and you notice somebody's kind of walking behind you, and you don't know, you've got several choices, right? Do I run? Do I act like nothing's happening and something's going to happen to me? I don't know. I'm not going to, we're going to find out, you know. Or do you actually stop, and you turn around and go, what's up? What is it, right? That's making a stand. That's turning around in awareness going, I think this person is against me. And if he's against me, it's on. What's up? Is there a problem? Right? That's making a stand, standing up for yourself. This is what we have to do in this spiritual battle that we have. We have to make a stand. And I think making a stand is all about awareness. So I'm hoping and praying that some of you today go, you know what? I am in a spiritual battle, and I haven't considered it. I've wondered why this isn't working and why he can't get healed and, and why this financial situation is. I, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have issues in our lives, but some of those issues are spiritual issues that you need to address with spiritual solutions. So then Paul says after making a stand, he uses this word, by the way, four times in three sentences. <laughs> stand, stand. Stand. He's trying to help us get a, an understanding. Don't be clueless about the fight that you're in. Make a stand. Stand up. Not in your strength. In God's. And then Paul tries to help us understand who we're against. Right? Stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, those are just his plans. He's cunning. He's had millennia after millennia to understand human nature. To know how we think. To know what choices we might make. And he know, listen, he knows you so well. He knows exactly what might tempt you. He knows exactly what might push you over the edge. He knows. You wouldn't believe what he knows. And it's that much more important that we cover ourselves in this armor. Paul says that we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, not against human beings. And some of you go, no, I've been wrestling against some people. He's saying get your eyes uh, uh, above this worldly collision, this worldly battle that you're in against the person at work or the person in your marriage or the person that's your child or the, whatever the case may be. No, it's, it's deeper. It's spiritual. You're wrestling, which to wrestle, this word is, 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 a, is a up close and personal. One theologian said it's breath against breath up close. Mano and mano, man against man. Hand-to-hand combat is what this is. But then Paul says, who we're up against are rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers. Can you imagine if your doorbell rings and you go to answer the door and Vladimir Putin's standing there with half an army at your door and you'd be like, uh, that, that guy kills people. He's not a good person. Right? It'd be a little, it'd be a little scary. Friends, he ain't got nothing on the people that are at your door. Nothing. He's nothing. He's a pawn. There are ranks of evil angels. Paul tries to describe them. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. And he says we wrestle with them. We don't even know we wrestle with them. They are against us. It's not just some worldly issue. You know, sometimes I think, speaking of uh, this person, I mentioned his name. I think of Ukraine. And you go, there's no way that, that Satan is not involved in this evil that's going on over there. And sometimes that's what we think of cosmic powers, the evil of, of Satan or these big places. He's also in that conversation you had 
last night, a week ago. He's also in the middle of that business negotiation that just won't go right. He, he is in every little aspect of things that we might not understand and might not know. And we need to at least consider that. He says he's over this present darkness. In other words, Satan is the prince of this world. He's over this present darkness, this earth. Satan has power in this world. 1 John 5, 19. John says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Did you know that's why Satan, when Jesus was being tempted, could legitimately offer a kingdom of the world? He could legitimately offer to, to Jesus, uh, about me and I'll give you the kingdom of the world. He is the prince over this world. 2 Corinthians says it has a, an effect on people who don't know Christ. And this is the reason. 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Maybe you've been praying for somebody for so long and they just never get it. Seems like they're not, listen, they're blinded by the prince of darkness. God can break through, but there's a reason. Paul also mentions these forces of evil in, in heavenly places. He's like saying, whether it's this present darkness of this earth or some spiritual realm that we don't see, right? They are all over the place. They have power. Be aware of their reality. This is not fairy tale. This is not a, a story. This is real. That, you know, that was a game changer for me. I grew up in this church. And for some reason, I separated stories of the Bible and truths of the Bible almost as something that we, I don't know, just some sort of thing that, I don't know, happened or didn't happen. I wasn't sure. But when I was in high school, I went, wait, all this is real. All these things really happen. Jesus is real. His enemy is real. Do you live as though his enemy is real and after you? Because he is. That's why we need to make a stand and have the whole armor of God at our disposal. Once we have his armor, we actually can withstand this attack. That's the good news. You have his strength, you have his armor, and he can't do anything to you when you're in God's armor. When you make a stand in his armor, he can't touch you. He can't touch you. Look, look with me in Ephesians 6, 14. And let's look at this armor for a moment. Stand therefore. In other words, how do we stand in this armor? How do we make a stand? We make a decision. We believe that this armor is covering us by the, by the cross of Christ. We now have this armor that, that surrounds our lives. This is what it looks like. Fastening the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now remember, when Paul's writing this, he's in prison. And he's chained to a Roman soldier. Paul's looking at this guy and he's going, every piece of his gear is engineered for warfare. From his shoes to his helmet, to his shield. And he starts taking note that, you know what, this is a great metaphor of the things that God has done in our life. And so he begins to look at this soldier and, and write down the very similarities that we have. 
See, the, the Roman soldier had a belt, and with the belt he would tie up his tunic because if it was, if it was loose, it could get in his legs and get in the way of his sword. So he would take a belt and it would wrap his tunic tightly, and it would hold his sword so that he could fight. It was very important. Paul says, we have the belt of truth wrapped around us. Truth is the Bible. It's the scripture. It's, it's, it's what we believe to be true of God. He calls this the message of truth in Ephesians chapter 1. So truth, when we wrap truth around us, it's about what we believe. We believe there is God's truth, not your truth and my truth. There is his truth alone. And we live by his truth. But it's not just what we believe. It's how we live. Remember in Ephesians 4, Paul, Paul starts talking about spiritual maturity and the fact that as believers in Christ, we're all involved in each other's maturity levels. As the body, we get to build each other up. And he says that the way that happens is when we learn to speak truth in love. Remember that in Ephesians 4? We have to be a people of truth. He says, take the belt of truth, wrap it around your life, that you know the truth, that you speak the truth, that you are a people of truth. Don't let uh, false things be about your life in any way. Be a people of truth. Value God's word and the sincerity of living lives of truth. Then we, we talk about a breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldier had this sort of like chain mail uh, breastplate. So if, if a soldier hit him with a knife or glanced at him with a sword, it would, it would just go right off. He wouldn't be wounded. The brilliant piece uh, of gear. It, it would cover him from his neck all the way down below his waist. It would cover his vital organs. The stuff that's really important, right? Well, Paul says we have the breastplate of righteousness. He says we're clothed. Isaiah 61 says we're clothed in Christ's righteousness, in the righteousness of Messiah. It's his righteousness over us. It's not ours. Isaiah also says that our righteousness is his filthy rags, right? It's not our righteousness. It's God's. And when he places that righteousness over us, when he clothes us in righteousness, it protects our eternity. Our eternity is forever protected by the righteousness of Christ. And then it's because of his righteousness that we have this next piece of clothing, the shoes of the gospel of peace. It's literally his righteousness that gives us peace. The Roman soldier had these open-toed sandals, but they weren't just like going to the beach sandals. These were fighting shoes. And they caused the soldier to be stable in his footing. If you ever take a boxing class, a karate class, a wrestling class, play football, do any of these things like that, the first thing they're going to teach you is about your footing. You come to wrestle me and you stand like this, you're going down, right? If you get a, if you get a footing and I'm ready, then maybe I'll stand a chance. Maybe I'll have a fighting stance. Paul's saying, listen, when you have God's peace, you have right standing before God. When you have God's peace, you can stand ready for any battle. It's Christ's righteousness that gives us his peace. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we've been justified by faith and we have his righteousness now, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We stand justified before God. See, before we were justified, we were enemies of God. And that stance wouldn't have been a confident one. It would have been a trembling one. You don't want to be an enemy of God. But when we're justified, we become his sons and daughters. And that right standing gives us confidence ready for this battle. There's also an aspect of this 
about the gospel and sharing the gospel. Part of our engagement in this battle is that we are ready to share our faith as warriors, right? Romans 10, 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful that in this stance we can stand firm in Christ's peace over us and the hope that Christ will give peace to those who we seek out, we pray for, we minister to, we witness to, to share our faith, to share the gospel. The next aspect is the shield of faith. Been showing our girls some of the Marvel movies. We waited until they were old enough to kind of handle some of the stuff. And, uh, but we've been showing them some of the Marvel movies. Now, when you think about the shield of faith, this is not Captain America's sword. I mean, a uh, shield. His shield is about the size of this table. It's not very big, and it wouldn't cover all of his body. But a Roman soldier's shield was four feet tall, two and a half feet wide. A soldier could get down his whole body behind a shield. It was double-ply wood. It, was, it was, uh, had, had a metal all the way around it. It was covered in like a, a felt and in, in skins of animals. So when a flaming dart hit a shield, it would just extinguish. Like soldiers would come off of a battlefield with many arrows still smoking in their shield. It wouldn't have gone through. And spears, it could withhold spear uh, attacks and advances as well. So this was a big Shield. You know, when we go into a battle as believers, or even as Roman soldiers, you go with your shield, right? Like this. We have to let our faith go before us. I was thinking over here this morning, I was worshiping and mourning at the same time with my mother's death and life in Jesus. And I'm thinking, it's days like today, Lord, that I go into the battle that I'm going into now with my faith in front of me. I believe she is in heaven. I believe she is with Jesus. My faith leads me into the battle that I stand in in this moment, right? Your faith needs to lead you into the battle that you're facing. What about your life in Christ? What about the truths of his word do you need to hold on to and go into the battle that you're facing and say, Lord, I believe I have faith. That is a shield of faith. We have arrows that come at us. Flaming arrows, Paul says, arrows of temptation, arrows of doubt, disobedience, arrows of lust, fear. Some of the hottest arrows, sharpest arrows, most painful arrows come from our family or our friends. They're so painful. Guess what? Hold up your shield of faith. Hold up your shield of faith. Some of our most difficult battles and arrows coming at us are from church members. Hold up your shield of faith and go into the fight. Make a stand, knowing whom you have believed. Then he talks about a helmet of salvation. This Roman helmet was a a metal helmet, obviously, almost indestructible. Yes, it gave protection for your head, but more than protection of your head because there weren't that many blows against your head or arrows on your head that might hit your head. More than anything, it gave you confidence that you didn't have to worry about your head. You know, I played football in junior high and high school. I wasn't very good, but, but uh, there was something about putting on that uniform. You put on those shoulder pads. You put on that helmet. And even part of the fun in the game is your friends coming up to you, messing with you, hitting you on the, on the shoulder pads as hard as they could and headbutting you in the head, right? That's just what we do. Boys do that. Because we had this armor. We're indestructible. You give a little boy something that's in, he's, now he's indestructible, he's like, ah, 
right, he's running into the wall just to see if he can do it. That's what we do. There's something about a helmet that gives you confidence. And Paul says we have the helmet of salvation. Our confidence is not in us. It's not in how good we've been. It's not in how perfect we are. It's not in our ability to keep the law. It's in Jesus alone who has saved us by his cross. We are saved from death and sin. And we can fight in confidence because the war is already won. We're in a battle. Don't, listen, you're in a battle, but the war is won. And you can stand with this helmet of salvation going, bring it. Let's go. Because it's already won. I have the helmet of salvation over my life. But you know what? If I'm being honest, one of the ways the enemy comes at me most is in my mind. Maybe you too. Don't let the enemy get into your head. Causing false narratives, causing lack of faith and doubt and fear. It's not giving us a spirit of fear, but, but of a sound mind, of a disciplined mind. We put on our helmet of salvation. And lastly, he says, we have the sword of the Spirit. And Paul wants to make no mistakes. That's the Word of God. <laughs> he says, it's the sword of the Spirit, it's the Word of God. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody clear on that? That's what he's saying. We have this sword. This is the only offensive piece of the uniform. Everything else is defensive. It's the only thing that we can actually not only defend ourselves with, but attack with. And we see Jesus attacking Satan in Matthew 4. He comes at him in the wilderness to tempt him. And every temptation is met with a sword of the Spirit. Jesus uses memorization of Scripture to battle the enemy. He says, aren't you hungry? You've got to be starving. Oh, man, all these rocks, just turn one into a piece of bread. You can do that in a heartbeat. I've seen you, do, I've seen you create this whole world. Just, just turn it into bread. Jesus uses Scripture from Deuteronomy and says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan can't even muster a comeback. Let's try something else. Uh, this is what I want you to see from a relevant position, and it's worked in my life. What is your weak point? What is the thing in your life that you struggle with in sin? Is it pornography? Is it lack of faith? Is it some sexual sin? What, what's going on in your heart and life that causes you to sin? Find some scriptures that deal with sinful areas that you're dealing with. Memorize those scriptures. Write them down. Put them on note cards. Put them all over your bathroom. Put them in your car. Write them on your phone. Say them. Memorize them. And when the enemy comes to get your heart, then take out the sword of the Spirit and let him have it. Let him have it. This is what Jesus did. It's our only offensive weapon. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is so powerful. It will defend your life, but you can also attack yourself, the enemy who comes against you. 2 Timothy three sixteen says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
That's what he does in your life with the word of God. Everything you need is in the word of God. This is the armor of God. And when it comes to the sword of the spirit, we ought to study it. We, we ought to memorize it. We ought to meditate on it. This is our weapon against the enemy. And then lastly, Paul gives one last thing. It's not part of the uniform, but it's every bit as important as anything else in the uniform and maybe more important. And it's this. It's prayer. See, God gives us his strength and his might. He gives us his armor, and then he gives us access to himself in the battle. Look with me, Ephesians 6, 18. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, once you've suited up, once you realize all these gifts that God has given you in all these areas of this armor, then he says, pray. And he uses the word all four different times. Pray at all times. Whatever you're doing, when you find your mind being idle, begin to pray. When you find your heart being worried, begin to pray. When you find your, yourself in temptation, begin to pray. Worrying. He says, pray in the Spirit. Pray at all times. Pray in the Spirit. You know, I, I love, I've told you this before, I love movies. And I, again, I'm a guy, I'm the guy that, you know, put the helmet on and would run into the wall, that kind of thing. So I like guy stuff. Um, and I like war movies when the guy's got a walkie-talkie and he's surrounded, right? The army is surrounded, U.S. Army, of course, surrounded. And there's enemies all around the place and all he does is go, you know, he tells the location of the enemy. Somehow he radios up to control or to the jets or to the helicopters, and two seconds later, five, ten seconds later, all of a sudden the enemy's blown up, right? What a beautiful example of the power that we have with God. It's the same. We go, God, all right, listen, God, here's the deal. I hope you can see that enemy over there. You see this struggle over here. You see this problem out here. I just need to let you know that's where they are. All right, we're waiting. I'm just going to step back, God. That's the power we have in prayer. That God knows. He sees the enemy against us. He sees the need that we have. He sees the brokenness of our hearts and the weakness of our bodies and our minds. And he meets those needs so powerfully. When you pray, don't just run down a list of things that you need. Don't just run down a few things about your aunt who's having surgery. No, stop for a moment when you're praying and just give God some space. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to listen. I, I, want, I just want to be here in your presence. I want to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit isn't praying in some unknown language. Praying in the Spirit is being able to listen to the Lord, and when he moves on your heart, you begin to pray. I don't know how many times I've done this, and I'll be praying, and all of a sudden, one of you will come to my heart out of nowhere. Lord, I pray for Harold, and I begin to pray for Harold and Patsy. I begin to pray for one of you. I begin to pray for something I know you're going through, that the Lord lays you on my heart, and I pray in the Spirit. Half the time, we don't know even what to pray, and so Romans 8, 26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as 
we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Praying in the Spirit, waiting on him, letting him lead you. Pray at all times. Pray in the Spirit. He uses the word all four different times here. You know, there's one, i got to tell you this story. It happened right over here. When I first came to Temple, there was a funeral here. And my pastor that I grew up with, he, he was up in age, he was a part of the funeral. And I had just come on board here. I was just in my early days of when I was here as pastor. And I went up and I said, Brother Walters, I'm sure you've heard, I'm, I'm pastoring Temple now. What, what would you tell me? And I, I mean, he could have set me down and I would have been like this for two hours. Just anything you want to give me, whatever you want to say. <laughs> he says four words and walks off. No kidding. Not like, see you later. No, four words and that was it. He says, stay on your knees. And then he walked off. I was like, all righty then. I'll, right? Stay on your knees. I'm not sure he could have given me better advice. Friends, as believers, we have to pray and understand that this, this is not a part necessarily of the uniform, of the, uh, of the armor that Paul is looking at trying to give us a metaphor. But it's so important. This is part of the battle that we have against the enemy that we can use. He says, pray with all perseverance. That means don't give up. And pray for all the saints. You know, Matthew 7, I believe, says, talks about when, when we pray, ask, seek, and knock, which are different levels of prayer. Because when you ask, you just kind of go, hey, Lord, by the way, I want to mention this to you. If this would, that would be great if we do this. But when you seek, you're like, Lord, I'm pleading. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for an answer. I'm asking for you to move. I'm, I'm needing you. And knock is like, hello, God. Hello, God. Jesus says, in fact, in the Greek, it's more like, Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's what prayer should be in our lives. And if you could see the enemy, trust me, you would be praying at all times with all perseverance for all the saints. Lastly, we're going to close with this. Paul says, would you pray for me? Arguably the greatest missionary <laughs> theologian uh, in the history of mankind and he says, would you, would you pray for me, guys, that I have the right words to say and that I have the boldness to say it? Can I just say something? If Paul needs prayer, I need your prayer. If Paul needs prayer, you need the believer's prayer, which is another uh, apologetic. It's another support of the church. You're not to be a believer out on your own. We, we're called to be together. And here's, here's another proof of that. Paul going, Pray for me. Church, we need one another. Are we praying for each other? Are we praying for the saints? I need you to pray that God will give me the right words and the boldness to speak them at the right moment. Are you aware of the battle? I'm going to close. Seriously. Does this just sound like a bunch of hooey to you? Just, I don't even know, that makes no sense. I don't believe in some little guy in a red suit. That's not what I'm talking about. 
But do you believe there's a spiritual battle in your life, in and around your life? If you don't, then I'm afraid you're just going to continue to be beaten up with a lack of awareness. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, you can have this armor. You can have God's strength. You can stand and fight. I told you we were watching the Marvel movies, and uh, one of the things I like about Iron Man, if you don't know the movie, there's a, a guy, he's, he's really kind of a jerk, to be honest with you. And he's not a nice person, he's not a good person, but he's smart, and he creates this uniform that's unbelievable. And I was just thinking about that, going, that's so similar to this moment in my life. I'm not necessarily the greatest person. I make so many mistakes. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And yet when I put on the armor of God, what can be accomplished is unbelievable. Because it's not mine. It's God's. And it's not my ability. It's not my strength. It's his. And so we put on this armor. Even in our brokenness, we wrap his truth around us. He covers us in his righteousness. We stand in a fighting stance with God's peace and his word given to people so that we pray that we use this ministry and message of reconciliation in the lives of people. We hold a shield of faith going forward in the battle. We're covered in this helmet of salvation and the confidence that that gives us in Christ. And we know that we have God's word and we have access to God Almighty himself. I hope you understand this battle. I hope that you're standing in it. And I hope that today we can worship him because he's so good that he gives us his strength and his armor and yet even his presence right in the middle of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, I want to pray in the name of Jesus against the enemy because this is a very real battle. And the very name of Jesus breaks chains. The very name of Jesus clears out darkness. The very name of Jesus calls demons away from our lives. So God, I speak the name of Jesus because it's our only hope. It is our battle cry. You love us and you're with us and you're so good that you would say, you can have my strength, which is all the strength there is. The enemy stands no chance against your strength. And then in your strength, we have all these gifts of your armor. God, thank you for all these different ways we can stand. It's in this armor, it's in this faith, it's in this strength that we can actually make a stand. And then we pray, Lord, and we know that you are with us, that you love us, you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we can make a fight, God. We can make a stand against your enemy. And you can receive glory, Lord, even in the battles we face. And we can know that you've already won the war. How good you are. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that needs to hear this, that needs to know that, God, they need to just trust you. Maybe they need to know you as their Savior. Maybe they need to surrender their life to you. Maybe they know that they've been disobedient to your word, that they're, they're following their own heart, their own desire, their own way, their own, they are their own God. And Lord, maybe right now they just need to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. 
I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again on the third day and I want to serve you with my life. And God, if there's somebody here who's been under the attack of the enemy, I pray that you would help them to stand in your might and armor and presence and that you would change the course of this battle to bring you glory and to give them your good. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this day, this family. God, we pray now that as we, we spend some time and we just we seek you for a few moments after this message, after your word, that we would just put you first. That we would just spend time with you in your presence. And that you would lead us, Lord, to how you'd have us to obey. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.